Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. My name is Steve Whitman. I'm joined as always by Dan Bopone and Emily Cannell and a special guest this episode, a returning guest, an excellent writer from Billboard and from the rights to rickysanchez.com, Andrew Unterberger. How are you? Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. We really appreciate you being here. Yeah, I really appreciate y'all having me on a second time. Uh, Wish uh, we were here to talk anything but the Sixers, but you know, Mm. that's all right. And uh, and here we are. And that's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, very happy to have you here. We have stuff to talk about somehow, uh, even though nothing, well, some stuff has happened. Uh, the draft was last week. Uh, 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 Emily, Dan, and I did the uh, live stream uh, for Liberty Ballers, and we reacted to it in the moment. We didn't know anything about uh, basically anyone, but uh, we, I think, probably have now all read like the same articles. Uh, I don't know how deep into draft stuff you got, but uh, we'll start there. The Sixers made three picks. They traded no one. Uh, and no one includes Ben Simmons. Uh, they drafted uh, Jaden Springer, who's 18 years old. He's a guard from Tennessee. They drafted Philip Petrosev, a 21-year-old center from the ABA League and Gonzaga. And Charles Bassey, uh, who's a 20-year-old forward and center from Western Kentucky. Uh, they didn't trade anybody. And then they also added uh, Aaron Henry from Michigan State, who's 21. He's a guard. Um, as an undrafted free agent. AU, I'll give you the floor. Uh, your sort of overall thoughts on these new Sixers. Uh, it's it's going to be a very, very short monologue here, I think. Uh, my overall thoughts is they got some guys. I don't know much about them. Uh, one of them <laughs> I hear uh, works with Keith Williams, which isn't great. And oh, another really one I hear good. works with Drew Hanlon, which is also not great. So my, my primary thought about the Sixers draft hall is just that uh, we, will, we will never be free, uh, which, which is okay. But yeah, that, um, that's, that's about all I got for you. Jesus Christ, we do have to talk about Keith Williams. Um, but here, a good place to start uh, for me, because I don't know any of these guys. Uh, but I've just, I, I adopt the opinions of people I uh, sure. like and respect, like Dan Olinger and uh, Jackson Frank and others. Um, the Sixers drafted an 18 year old in the first round, um, which was surprising to me on face value. Everybody says that, you know, Springer is excellent value at 28. Um, because of what he could be someday, and he's already, I think, a good basketball player. Um, give me your take on them drafting a player that young. Is it merely Maury going just value? Like this guy is the best value at 28. Is him go? Is it him going? Um, I don't plan on playing this rookie anyway. Like we don't have, we don't think we're going to have minutes for this spot anyway. 
or is this guy getting traded uh, rather shortly here? Um, Dan, what do you think about that uh, in terms of the uh, Springer's age and, and what it leads you to believe? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know, really know much about him other than what everyone else has said. And um, I don't think it's surprising, though. Uh, I, you know, the value, yes, I think that was all of it. But I think that, you know, what maybe some people would assume is factored in more, which I don't think is, is the idea that maybe he'll contribute this year. I think, you know, it was kind of surprising and like a bad thing that Maxi had to contribute this year. And it's really not going to be plan A for any team to have even a 22 year old rookie, you know, any, at least a team with championship aspirations playing any real role in the playoffs, you know, their rookie year, most rookies stink. Um, and then come back the next year and are, you know, sometimes playable. Uh, very rarely are they any good to start and they, you know, especially in the playoffs, a lot of times, even the good players get kind of taken advantage of. So I, I don't think it's really that surprising. I think that, you know, if, if the value is there, you don't worry about what he gives you this second. Emily, what about you? What, are you, what was your reaction to uh, the Springer pick or any of the other ones? I'll tell you right now, I decided that I like Charles Bassey. Never knew that he even existed until uh, Thursday night. And then I was like, all right, I'm in on this guy. He dunks and he blocks shots. He seems fun. Uh, what do you think, Emily, about the Sixers draft night hall? Yeah, so I'm like you guys. I'm not, I just read smarter people than I and take on their opinions. But I did put together a very short game because my area of expertise is Instagram and other garbage news. So Love I have it. a game for the three draft picks. I'm going to tell you a fact about their like draft night. Welcome to the NBA Instagram. And you have to match which one goes with which. Okay, okay great. You'll get it when we play. So one of these draft picks spelled Philadelphia wrong in Instagram. One of them made a dreams and nightmares reference. And one of them used a bell emoji. So which one is which? Hey, you, do you want to submit your answers first? Uh, this, this is Springer, Petrus, Evan Bassey we're talking about here? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Uh, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll go uh, Petrusev spelled Philadelphia wrong. Springer used uh, the meek lyric and Bassey used the bell. Okay. I disagree. I'm Petrusev, I think, is a shoe in for the misspelling of Philadelphia. I will go. Um, Bassey did the meek lyric and the bell was Springer is my, that's my guess. Okay. That, that was going to be my answer as well. Okay. So you're wrong. All of you. <laughs> um, so Bassey spelled Philadelphia wrong. Wait, how did he I spell think, it? I think it was really a typo because he hashtag Philadelphia Sixers, no A. Mm. So I think it was really a typo. Petrosev with the caption dreams and nightmares. It's on now. Big shock. Wow. And then, Judge your book by its cover. And then <laughs> Bringer used the bell emoji. So there you go. Wow. Over three. Uh, I've awesome. also used the, the Ben Simmons like nose air emoji too. He like did his Got research. Who used that? I appreciate that. Petrosev. We don't do that anymore. I mean, <laughs> it's been retired officially. You better do the monkey with the little ears on his head or whatever. Yeah, that's the new that's the new pregame image. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Those are my thoughts on the draft. Uh, Au, in terms of uh, drafting an eighteen year old, uh, what do you think? Do you have any real take on on what that might be from Daryl? 
Yeah, I, I think it's a talent play. I, I mean, again, I, I know which, which you guys know, which is that this was the guy that most Sixers Twitter, at least a decent portion of Sixers Twitter wanted leading up to the draft. Uh, it seems like a good value uh, pickup. And I think we often overvalue, or at least we, we overvalue our ability to be able to peg which rookies can or can't contribute right away based on like college performance and age and things like that. I think oftentimes that, that, that information ends up being kind of misleading anyway. I mean, like Obi Toppin was supposed to be the most NBA ready uh, prospect out of last year's draft. And clearly that didn't right. pan out as expected. So, uh, I mean, will, 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 will Springer be able to jump into the starting lineup or the rotation right away? Probably not, but I wouldn't be surprised if we end up hearing from him, you know, a couple injuries, a uh, late season malaise. Uh, I'm sure we'll see what he has to offer at some point and hopefully he doesn't end up needing to bail us out of game six of the second round of the, the playoffs. But uh, <laughs> aside from that, I, I think it's fine to, yeah, to just, I mean, 28, just take the best player available. That's, that's, that seems like a no brainer to me. Why not? Um, the other and, uh, I guess, bigger angle to draft night for Sixers fans was Ben Simmons. Uh, lots of trades uh, typically happen on draft night, one of which we'll talk about in a little bit, the uh, Westbrook one. Um, what happened, Woj tweeted uh, at 3.22 on draft day, uh, ESPN sources, Sixers continue to canvas the league for Ben Simmons trades, armed with a steep asking price. Simmons and his agent, Clutch CEO Rich Paul, Adele's boyfriend, he didn't tweet that, are in step with a move elsewhere. Draft night is always an ideal vehicle for a deal, but talks could continue into the summer. Um, then there were a number of sort of other, uh, no offense, but maybe reliable, maybe not. You know, Jason Dumas, I think, tweeted that they hope to trade him uh, on draft day. Um, any reaction to, like, for me, like, the only piece of new information there is that, uh, which is, I don't, you know, I think we probably could have assumed, but, which is that Simmons and Rich Paul are in step with these, uh, these uh, rumors and stuff like that. Uh, of course, Simmons didn't get traded. Uh, and then all of the reports after that are that Daryl Morey is asking for every single possible thing from every franchise for Ben Simmons. Um, why not? You know, like, uh, you know, you might as well start there and then work your way down. Um, I certainly don't think they're going to get anything like what Houston got for James Harden. I think they'll get something good. I think they'll get in the end, probably fair enough value for Ben, but um, talk to me, Emily, about that, uh, that Woj tweet and, and Simmons and Rich Paul being quote unquote in step. Uh, do you think you learned anything there on draft night? And were you surprised that a Simmons trade didn't happen? Um, I'm not surprised that the trade didn't happen. I think that there's still too many dominoes to fall in order for the trade to happen, have happened on draft night. Um, I'm happy that, I mean, I didn't, after this season, there's no way Ben was going to put up a fight to stay here. So it doesn't surprise me that him and Adele's boyfriend are in, <laughs> are in on the trade. Can we just refer to Rich Paul's Adele's boyfriend at all times? I think it's great, especially Thank with you. our billboard crossover today. It's really um, good to work get, in. Guess the thumbs up for me, for sure. I great. love this. Um, great. And then I think that's the move, Daryl's move is to ask for everything. Like, you don't want to, when you're trying to get the most talent, and it's not like a little trade that needs to happen. Like, you want to start high. You always like when you're negotiating a salary, you always like give the most and then you work your way down, you meet in the middle, do something. So I think that's the right way um, to go about it. Yeah. How about you, AU? Uh, I'll start by saying that like the one like pure moment of Sixers related joy I've had in the past month is seeing the report of that offer that they made to Toronto that uh, Toronto turned down of like 
Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, and the number four pick. Like, I, I really hope that that was just that. Like, no, no extra fill-ins on our side. Just, just, just like all of your good players plus your number four overall pick for this guy who flamed out in the second round of the playoffs last year. Like, yeah, just, what just do you picture, think? Just, just picturing, the, just picturing the look on Masai Jiri and Bobby Webster's face when they when they like, got that fax or whatever from Daryl is, uh, yeah. is is pretty wonderful. Uh, beyond that, I, I guess I'm, I'm not so surprised that there was that there was no trade of Ben Simmons on draft night. I was a little bit surprised that there was no trade of anybody on our side. Mm-hmm. You know, any any picks changing hands? I, mean, I guess we bought the number fifty three pick from New Orleans. Uh, and my guy Willie Green sent that right over. I appreciate. Sure, it. yeah, no, and, and kudos yeah. to Willie for, for helping us out there. I appreciate it. Uh, there honestly weren't that many trades at all on draft night. Yeah. It was kind of boring. It really was. Uh, yeah, I, I was. I wasn't even really watching, but I was, you know, you know, refreshing the Twitter feed and, and on my phone or whatever. And I, I kept expecting, you know, one thing to happen and then like five other things to happen as a result of it. Never, never, never turned out like that. Uh, and you know, considering that Daryl did most of his damage last year in the offseason on draft night, I thought that even if like the biggest move wasn't to be made on draft night, I thought we'd get a couple kind of ancillary moves, especially when we bought the number fifty-three pick. That seemed like a random right. thing to do if it wasn't the prelude to something else. So I definitely expected some action that I did not get. And that was unfortunate. Uh, and as for the Ben Simmons thing, does the, is, is it a, a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I, you know, I, I defer to my colleague, uh, Mike O'Connor, who again, uh, much smarter about these things than I am. He wrote a fairly extensive piece, basically saying this, this is not great news that, uh, that a, that Ben wasn't traded B that, uh, that yeah, Beal appears to, appears to be opting into being a wizard and Lillard seems unmovable at the moment in Portland and all, all these other kind of, uh, players that who, even if they weren't going to be going to end up being the, the, the primary return for Ben, uh, then, then being available would have freed up other things and it would have kind of set wheels in motion. He says that the fact that those things aren't happening and the fact that we haven't heard any like, concrete rumors about where Ben might be headed or who definitely has interest in trading for him and putting together packages for him, uh, then that probably means we're going to end up with something a little bit underwhelming uh, if, we, if it really is a priority to move him before the season starts, which I think it is. So I, I can't say I have a great feeling about it at the moment, uh, but I, I, I'm also not shocked that it didn't end up happening the way we all wanted it to on draft night. Yeah. Dan, what about you, buddy? Yeah, uh, not surprising. Definitely disappointing. I had, you know, my hopes up a bit, even though I knew there was, you know, in my head, it was well less than a 50% chance from everything we were hearing that he would actually get traded on draft night. Um, and, you know, I think the, the other side of it, you know, that was, you know, I think everyone kind of mentioned a bit um, was that, you know, according to Jake Fisher's reporting, Beal and the Wizards both felt that like draft night was kind of an artificial deadline to trade him. So it's almost, almost feels like, a, you know, like Beal officially not requesting a trade by, by nothing happening by, by draft night, especially with, you know, I, I know people, you know, at some points were reporting that like, moving Westbrook was somehow a move to win with Beal. I really don't buy that. Um, it almost feels like the Wizards are like half rebuilding, but still not giving up Beal on the last year of his deal. Um, I kind of have this thing that I was thinking about with Beal where this is off topic. I think that he's kind of having Ben Simmons' dream career. <laughs> like, like he gets to like compete for an all-star every year or sorry, compete for like an eight, seven, six, seven, eight seed every year. He's almost always going to be an all-star. No one really cares that that team isn't better. And there's really not a lot of pressure and no one blames him for anything. And I think, and like, you know, in the playoffs, he doesn't have to worry about how he performs deep in the playoffs because he doesn't get there. So I think that, 
you know, he doesn't, he's fine. And he doesn't want, he doesn't want out. He's not, you know, you hear all these guys wanting to go to like situations where they could win. And he's not interested in that clearly. I mean, he wants to stay in Washington. And so I think Ben would do the same thing. I think Ben would be thrilled to be living that career. You know, it's funny in other circumstances, I think about guys like Dame or in this case, like Theo. And I think that's really cool. That guys just love being in one city and they're going to have a statue and they know that they could chase a ring and, and likely get one. Um, but they're not going to do it. And I think it's cool until there's a chance that we can trade for him. And then I'm like, sorry, you're a loser. There's nothing I can do about it. You're now a loser. Um, yeah. So that was, that was surprising. I will say Spike on Artiera brought up a great point that possibly Beal hated Westbrook and like possibly the Westbrook trade was like a okay with him because he was like, I don't enjoy playing with that guy, which would not, I guess, be hard to uh, understand. Before we go on to the Westbrook trade, I want to get you guys thoughts on that. AU, you wrote a piece uh, about Ben Ben Simmons on uh, the website, and you just talked about how, uh, I think, just to sum it up, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but that you're very fatigued by the whole Ben Simmons of it all. And uh, once he's traded, you will, again, feel like talking about the Sixers. Here we are sort of waterboarding you into talking about the Sixers, but uh, tell us about that piece and and how you really came to that conclusion. Yeah, I I mean... It's been it's been a tough month for me as, as a Sixers fan, as a Sixers sometimes blogger, as a you know just a member of Sixers Twitter, whatever. Like I, I really have had no interest or enthusiasm in kind of engaging with any of the sort of offseason storylines involving this team, uh, aside from you know Ben trade stuff, which I, I'm not even really that jazzed about in terms of like putting together fake packages and figuring out where it makes sense for him as a landing spot, three teamers, whatever. Like that, I, I haven't really even been working that hard on that. I mostly just need something. I mostly need, need, need like a very concrete evidence that the team next year is not going to be the team this year. I, I, need, yeah. I just need like a, a shift of identity. And like, I, I don't mean to scapegoat, to scapegoat Ben for all of the team's problems, especially in the postseason. I mean, certainly he was a very large contributing factor. Uh, and he, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody's really arguing that at this point, but he was also by no means the only one. Plenty of blame to go around uh, to, to all parts of parties involved. Uh, so I don't mean to suggest that Merely getting rid of Ben will solve everything, especially because when we didn't have Ben last postseason before this one, uh, that didn't go so great either. So I don't mean to make it seem like getting rid of Ben Simmons will call it, will you know kind of cure everything that ails this team. But I just need, I, I need to feel like I'm rooting for a different team than the one that lost three home games and out of four in a seven game series against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, and yeah. and it, it almost does. I mean, I, I would love to get like a really good return for Ben. I would love to get one of these superstars. I would also be okay with like someone on the Zach Levine tier. Uh, I could probably even talk myself into a CJ McCollum or Malcolm Brogdon if, if push comes to shove, but I mostly just need, like, and the thing I compared it to in the article is last year, uh, yeah, we were all also not feeling that great about this team following the, the, the Celtics suite, but then they hired Doc and then they hired Daryl. And it was just like, okay, things are different now. Like maybe mm-hmm. it's not going to necessarily, I certainly didn't expect to end up with the one seed this year. Even at the best case scenario, I didn't expect to be a finals team. Uh, and we, we obviously outperformed whatever expectations we would have had following that Celtics sweep. But mostly it wasn't even about that. It was just about the fact that there was going to be a different structure to it now and that we could kind of trust the people in charge. And it just didn't feel like the same team that flamed out and, uh, and that had no real obvious hope for getting immediately better or in the, in the long term that really, in the ways that really mattered. So once that happened last year, I was mostly back in. I'm hoping that's what happens this year too. If and when Ben gets traded, can't guarantee that it will, but I, 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 that, that, that's my best theory as to what can get me kind of 
re-jump started into actually being an active member of Sixers Twitter and following this team and caring about what happens to them. Um, Emily, I wanted to check in on where you're at with the Ben Simmons stuff um, because uh, Dan and I are certainly fed up. I've just had enough. I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry. He seems like a nice guy. Can't do it anymore. Um, where are you at? I know that you're will, you're certainly willing to trade Ben, but have you reached the point of being looking of looking forward to trading him, um, or are you holding out hope in any way that he's back? Like, t- talk me through it. What are you, where are you at? No, I'm definitely excited for the day that he's traded. I'm ready for him to go, but there is like a sadness in me that this is how it's ending and this is what we've come to when there was so much hope and excitement about you know ben and the number one pick and this is this is how it goes gonna go with joel it's a weird fit but they'll make it work and now it's like please get him off this team and we'll take Malcolm brogdon like that (laughs) is not great um so there's there's sadness in me over that but i'm ready for it to be done it's exhausting to also like have the same conversation with like slightly different points <laughs> or like facts in it at every every time i'm yeah. just like please get him get him have but as we know like he will be a first team all nba player for the rest of his career wherever he is that's just what happen yeah i, I, I yeah, I'm, that's, I, yeah I, I think that's probably the case Definitely the case is that he's going to torture the Sixers every time he plays them. I mean, like, you, you, you see He'll what he does. He'll make like two threes every time and shoot <laughs> like 95% from the line. I yeah, guarantee it. You see what I'll happens when he plays game. LeBron teams. Like, like when, when, when he takes a game personally, like it, it's, it's, it's a different <laughs> Ben that we see out there. And he's going to take it very personally. Yep. I'll, I'll say this. Now. I'm going to I'm going to disagree and that I have no fear of that because I really don't believe in him scoring any more than like 15 points anytime we play him. And like – yeah, if he takes game personally, like, but like, why is he taking games personally against LeBron, but he's not taking any game in the playoff personally? I'm just not like maybe the one Jared Dudley game is the one playoff game. Like, I, I don't know. I'm <laughs> sure he, he, he does it against him. the Jazz too. I mean, like, there's there's definitely yeah. decent evidence out there that when Ben has like a petty grievance against an opponent, that he does bring it to a new level. Uh, and I think he's gonna have his his pick of the litter when it comes to petty grievances against the Sixers team. So, uh, with I, Go ahead. Just as, especially because I'm sure once he is gone, there'll be quotes uh, either anonymous or attributed, you know, people coming out of the woodwork to talk about his work ethic and how yeah. the locker room never really was supported him in the first place and all yeah. this and that. And uh, like, oh, like, yeah. it's going to be a messy be exit. Huge. Yeah. So uh, on this subject, you guys mentioned like when the Sixers play Ben again. Uh, and I'm just thinking about like, will they guard him with Joel? Like, <laughs> will they guard him? They guard him with fucking Kelly Olenek. They would guard him with Joel, I guess. Um, you could put Seth Curry that, on Ben. He's not doing anything. Speaking of that, um, <laughs> Joel Joel's brother has an Instagram account. I, I didn't even know about this Instagram account. I don't know how this got past us for all these years, but he has a I brother didn't know who has, Joel has a brother. Yes, Joel has a brother who has an Instagram account. Yes, um, what is it? <laughs> you can probably imagine this is very poorly vetted, but <laughs> here's what I'm <laughs> Uh, let me see. Process for real. F O R R E A L is the Instagram account attributed to his brother. Uh, he posted, Emily, did you miss this? This happened on draft day. I uh, missed this completely. First, he posted a, it was like a repost of a Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, posted. Shea's dribbling the ball and he had eyeballs, 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 hashtag fill it. And then he posted, uh, it, it's like a, it's a picture of an article, which I believe is in French. 
um, talking, I, I believe, is about Ben Simmons getting traded. And he said, bon debara, which uh, means good riddance. So this is Joel's brother uh, saying to the social media world, good riddance. Fantastic um, internet sleuthing, by the way. That, that, that was your guy Harrison, right? Like uh, That was Harrison. Yes, yes. I have excellent to, job. Harrison, Mike Choido are all over this. Yeah. Um, I, I just have to know, Dan, do you find this significant? I think I know the answer to this because it would help your anti-Ben agenda. Um, but, um, but do I don't have. That, all right. I kind of <laughs> have. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, do we think that Joel is calling him being like, I got a great Instagram for you. Like they don't even speak French. They won't have any idea. Like, what do you think uh, transpired here? And do you think it is a reflection at all of the way Joel feels about that? Uh, yes, I think it's a reflection of how somewhat how Joel feels about Ben. I don't, I do think that matters. I don't think what his brother posts or thinks matters. Also, Ben's brother posted stuff about Joel before. Was it Ben's brother? Someone around Ben saying that, yeah, Ben shooting coach that Joel isn't yeah. team or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think they like listen, it was always BS. Like it was such obvious BS when they're like, oh, we're buds now. Like after knowing each other for you know four years, now we're really close. Like, I don't know. Like, like they're I don't think they hated each other before. I think they were like, you know, fine and got along, but we're not friends. And now I think that they really don't like each other after this season. And I think it's pretty simple. And like, yeah, that matters. Like the post in itself, no, but like, you know, I'm pretty sure that that's how Joel feels also, even though he hasn't, I don't think he's really suggested it. I think the closest he came was like somewhat throwing Ben under the bus and, uh, you know, but and he's obviously not going to say that. And Ben's not going to say anything bad about Joel himself publicly, but yeah, I think that they talk to the people around them and they talk to people they're close with and those people post. And I, I think yeah. that, yeah, it probably is a reflection and it's, you know, it's, I don't think it's a tenable situation at all. As, uh, as um, you said, when, when the trade happens, we'll have all of this. Like all of this will be swirling that there will be from the Ben camp that like Joel is unseemly to play with. And from the Sixers, it will be like, he's, he's literally never been to practice once. Uh, I'm looking forward to all of it. Um, A.U., what do you think about the posting here from uh, Joel's brother, who, listener, we will try to get on the podcast, I'll tell you that much. Um, what, what do you think about the posting? Do you think it's just that there's a Marcus Vick in every bunch, or, or do you think that this is uh, a legit thing to uh, keep in mind? Uh, I, I, I mean... The only really thing I think about this is that this was also like, this was like the second moment of pure joy I've had uh, in the last month or so. Uh, I can't remember if I said the last one was my first one or my only one, but this, this was also almost as good. Uh, I mean, I mean, whatever, like, I mean, it, it, it's going to be great if it actually happens uh, and, and we can actually point to this as, as like, you know, the, the scoop that really that, like, that, that presaged all of this. Frankly, it'd be great if we got Shea Gildas Alexander. I mean, like, I have no idea. Do you guys have any sort of insight as to why he would even be available? Like, I know I've seen these rumors about him being traded to Detroit for, the, you know, along with the sixth pick for Katie Cunningham and just him being, you know, not on the, the Thunder timeline. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like, yeah, I mean, that's the rumor that was out was that he's not on their timeline. I, I agree. It doesn't make any sense. He's, I think he's good enough. Like, first of all, he's what, 22? Like, he's, he's not 26. And, like he's a good enough player that the timeline kind of revolves around him. Like we have this good enough player who's probably better than we'll get for almost any first round pick. Why not 
you know, say this is kind of, you know, we want to win by the time you, even if you want him to be like the, the, the very, you know, back end him, you know, end of his prime, you know, kind of in your timeline, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Veteran like, influence. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like when, when Shay's 30, we need to win by then. That gives you eight years. Like you, like the, the amount of players that you can bring in by then and will, I'm sure. I mean, even, I don't think the Sixers rebuild was like, but by the time we actually started winning with the guys we had was what, five years. And you know, those aren't even the Hinkley yeah, years, but like, yeah. yeah, why not? Like, how does that not fit your timeline? If you give Shay, you know, even like four or five more years, he's still just entering his prime. Yeah. Yeah, it makes yep. me wonder if there's there's something else there. Maybe the, the you know, the, the, they just they just aren't high on him as a as a person as a leader. I, I I don't know, but I feel like the fact the fact that he's available in any meaningful capacity probably means that I mean like that, that doesn't speak well for him. Uh, you know, behind the scenes or like in terms of the stuff we can't see about. Because from what we can see, I mean, I would be overjoyed if he was the primary return in a bench trade, wouldn't you? When when y'all, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, the other, I guess possibility is that he's not loving it there and he has sort of made it clear in some way that uh he won't be long for there sure especially uh given their current outlook or you know i was listening to zach lowe and they somebody brought up that rumor like that that shay is on the table and zach lowe sort of intimated that he's not exactly buying it and that this is misinformation season and i wouldn't really like uh, leading up to the draft that is like and he wouldn't put too much stock into it uh emily we have really just absolutely rocked your world with this report from joel's brother i would like to know your immediate reaction to it uh what do you think um i don't have as much of an immediate reaction to the actual report like like you all said i'd love to have shay that'd be great i'm just i have a lot of reactions to joel's brother's instagram in general though so Mm. that is very it's just number one Harrison has been I think sleeping on this Instagram for like three years I went back I went back deep into this man's Instagram to like 2017 and this I think it's a post about Joel being voting for the all-star game and he's like vote for my little brother and it's in 100 and then Harrison commented on it 174 weeks ago it has 12 comments like he's been sleeping on this. <laughs> he's been camping hours. on it for three years. That's impressive. That's good. Yeah. Like, outing Harrison yeah. right now. Yeah. Oh my god. So it's just it's really wild. Um, this just some of his content is wild. There are some like behind the scenes pics of Joe. There's like a baby pic of Joe. Joe's wow. girlfriend follows him, so it's got to be semi legit. Oh wow. Um, of the people that I follow that follow this account, it's. Uh, the sixth man, Joel's oh, girlfriend, sure. and Drew Hanlon, and wow. Kevin Rice all follow this account. So I but not Joel, but not Joel. No, <laughs> but he might best just be trying to keep it under wraps because of all the news that his brother is breaking. Right. I've also just started following him on Snapchat, so I will let you know if I find out anything. Oh else. my god. You didn't hear a word we said before this, did you? You were too busy internet sleuthing Joel's brother. That's okay. I don't blame you. I don't listen to podcasts either. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else? So the other, I guess, takeaway from draft night is that uh, it sort of seems that uh, Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal are not on the precipice of getting traded. Uh, the only thing possibly holding up things, 
Damian Lillard is still with Team USA Basketball. It's possible that he wants to wait to move on this until he returns from there. Um, Henry Abbott at True Hoop is absolutely doubling down. Uh, he reported five days ago, sources say Damian Lillard is awesome. willing to forego paychecks to get oh, I to love the title that. team and become to that. And then Damian Lillard was responding on uh, – oh, oh, the other thing from that True Hoop article – Watching Giannis win the finals and playing on Team USA with Bam Adebayo, sources say Damian Lillard is as excited as ever about the idea of playing with a super athletic and mobile big man. Um, uh, Obi Toppin? Who knows? Um, The other thing, yeah, I mean, so then Damian Lillard was sort of responding, calling that bullshit on his social media. He does not seem like a guy who's dying to get out the door. Russ Westbrook gets traded. We're all like, all right, tonight's tonight. Ben's out of here. And then they're like, no, he's actually really good friends with KCP. It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> friends with KCP? Are you kidding me? Um, so, Dan, have you sort of moved on emotionally from the Dame and Beal thing? Or is it just sort of on ice? Or, or how does this make you feel about the prospect of what we're getting in return for Ben? I definitely haven't really fixated on this. Like, I definitely did with Harden. Um, like not only about like quality of player I think that they're you know they're both great players they're not quite hardened but like Harden was like very publicly and adamantly asking out and it was like you know even if the Sixers weren't the favorite it was all I could think about because it was like at some point it's going to happen like it's it's you know it's inevitable and these are just like a drag like will they won't they they probably won't but hey maybe they will and like oh if you want to feel good about the Sixers at all you better hope they do and like yeah. it it's tough like it's hard to to invest in like you know I did it for a few weeks but like Dame doesn't seem to be going anywhere the Abbott report doesn't really see you know the original where he's asking out doesn't really seem to be happening even you know some of the follow-up reports like from Haynes even kind of suggested that maybe Lillard asking out soon would happen and it just has not materialized like a lot of people expected um you know, even like reading between the lines, I think a lot of us thought like, oh, this is usually how this kind of thing starts. Like they leak that they're thinking about asking, right. they meet with the team, you know, they, they deny it publicly, but you know, right. they make demands and like Lillard did all of that and has now been quiet. And I don't think the Blazers have really done anything to address what he said. And I, I just kind of getting the feeling that like either way, he doesn't actually want to ask out and he's kind of bluffing. And with Beal, I think Beal's just staying like, for them yeah. to not trade him in a contract year, you know, if, you know, the reporting was true that they really wanted to trade him before the draft, if they were to trade him and that, you know, he was going to ask out by the draft. If he were to ask out understanding that, like, I think he's staying, I think he's less likely to go than Lillard at this point. And so like, I, I don't, yeah, it's a bummer and it doesn't make me feel great about what return we're going to get. I mean, Levine is, is, is nice if possible. And I, you know, I think I'm, I'm one of the few people who would probably actually get excited about McCollum um but like they're they're not that you know hot like you know perennial all-star level or or you know true star level where i think where i think dame is like dame is is would be a, a really high you know dame's probably a top 10 player still like a really high end second best player on a championship team and you know i'm not sure you're getting that from the other guys i'd be thrilled with levine still i think he'd be really exciting but I, I don't know if, if we're really trying we to. We haven't really him, then, seen anything about Levine. Yeah. No, you haven't seen anything about Levine. It yeah. seems like he's willing to resign and Chicago's going to resign him. And then you have like, 
you know, what are we getting? Are we going to get, I, I could get excited about McCollum, not as much as the other guys, obviously. I think a lot of people wouldn't be excited about that. I mean, I would have to talk myself into Brogdon unless we got quite a bit of picks. I think it probably ends up being, yeah. you know, maybe we're able to get like a good amount of picks or, or if the Raptors are really in play, some some solid player. Like I think Van Vliet and Anunoby are, are solid. I'd be happy to get those guys. It's not really ex- like exciting though. And I, I'd be excited more that Ben is gone than about who we're getting. Whereas, you know, I feel like, you know, all the talk that we've had all these years, especially this last year, ever since Harden became available. And I feel like it really clicked for a lot of people. It's like, we need that perimeter guy, the perimeter three-level scorer who's going to create for his teammates, who's going to settle things down, who's going to run the offense. And and I don't think you're getting that with any of these guys. I think, honestly, McCollum might be the closest. I mean, Levine's the best scorer. McCollum might be the closest for a guy you want actually, you know, full-time running the offense. And and maybe it just ends up they get as many picks as they can and hold out until they can, you know, hopefully someone asks out later. If they don't want to go to the season with Ben, like, let's get all the picks. And if Dame asks out, we're prepared. And if not, you know, we'll make a, a move for someone else with these picks later. Yeah, you, you've you mentioned that uh, for a while. It's like the potential of not trading Ben for the guy, you know, if that guy is available, but trading Ben for stuff that, A, will keep you competing – uh, for the for the near term, and B can be packaged later for if and when that guy becomes available. Um, Emily, are you at the point where you are holding out hope for uh, Dame or Beal, or are you also fine in those sort of second tier packages that people have uh, bandied about a bit? I mean, I'm fine with the the second tier packages, but I do think that things have kind of stalled on the Beal front because yeah. I think part of it is that he's in Japan and he's playing Olympic basketball right now and they had been sucking in Olympic basketball. And I, I think that being on the Olympics um, means a lot to Dame. I've watched a little bit of the like Peacock, I forget what it's called, like USA Basketball behind the scenes show that they're doing. And and Dame like talks about how like last time in Rio, he was on the select team and he really wanted to play for team USA. So it meant a lot to him to be at team USA. And I kind of think he's just focusing on it. He has time. It's not like he has to decide when I'm like by tomorrow or whatever he can decide after he gets home from Japan. So I think that's what he's doing. Um, not to say tomorrow that I think would be a really nice anything. deadline though, that's... considering free agency starts, it would be nice to know by then. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Um, but I don't, so I don't know that it means anything either way. I just think that that is slowing things down. Um, also it kind of got flipped under the rug rug really fast that like true hoop kind of threatened Damian Lillard on Twitter and was like, please be careful when you talk about I loved like the, the Henry Abbott bit where he was like, I called, I called this blog true hoop because it's all about honesty. Like <laughs> there's something like that. It was just tremendous self-righteousness from henry abbott just 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 great stuff should we change our name to true liberty ballers (laughs) yeah this reminds me can i just say this reminds me of the stephen a kevin durant thing uh years ago maybe five years ago when stephen a was on tv and he said you don't want to make an enemy out of me (laughs) to kevin durant and people were like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) go ahead emily um so no, those are like honestly my thoughts. I just get wrapped up in like these dumb like Twitter things and I just think they're hilarious. Like I love this game is up at like 4 a.m. in Tokyo, like tweeting at Henry Abbott. That's about, right, it was 4 a.m. Out of my mouth. Like it's amazing. <laughs> All I'm right. Um, hey, you, do you have anything else on this front? You sort of uh, uh, 
you know, talked yeah, yeah, yeah. about uh, them. Yeah. I'll say I, I, I agree with Emily that I, 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 I do think I do think the damn thing's going to happen. I do think it's probably just at the end of the Olympics. I was never really holding out hope for that being a Sixers deal. I would say I think there's close to no chance that we trade Simmons for Dame, you know, one for one. One for one, yeah. Like, I, th- I think uh, if, I mean, like, imagine, like, having maybe the most fearless offensive player of the 21st century on your team for nine seasons, and then, no, not, now you got Ben Simmons. Uh, I, I don't think that's tenable. So I, I think that if that trade did happen, it would have to be a three-teamer. And I think that, I just don't think that's very likely. Uh, the Beal thing bumps me out more. Uh, th- that I did think kind of fit uh, for a couple of different reasons. And I did think it was sort of practical, uh, especially once I got rid of Westbrook. Uh, I mean, th- that did seem like it, it kind of everything was kind of working in our favor and then right. not so much, uh, which was actually almost exactly how I went with Harden too. So fair enough. Uh, but I, I do, I do like Dan's idea of, I, I hadn't really considered this part of it, but I do like the idea of trading Ben for young players and picks, uh, you know, ones that are, are, are competent enough to kind of keep the, you know, the trains uh, moving on time, but don't necessarily box us into one team for the next five years that we can then use the stuff we get from Ben to maybe go out and package some of our other stuff. Cause we, we do have assets beyond Ben. Uh, so we can kind of package those and some of the stuff we get from him. And then, and then, cause there will be another guy available at some point. There's always another guy. Uh, I don't think we have to win the championship this year as long as we're still competitive and we don't make Joe feel we're just kind of running in place. So, yeah, I, I think that that's probably preferable to the Malcolm Brogdon type trades to me. Uh, yeah. But honestly, I just, I just don't know what, what is realistic at this point. So I, I hope Daryl has a better idea than we do, I guess would be my final thought on the matter. Yeah. And the, the other layer to this conversation, at least in my opinion, and I think you guys agree too, is that I don't think that they're, there's a realistic scenario where we just keep in until the deadline and you try to like, I just think that there's so much that's happened now, including now this, you know, Adele's boyfriend and uh, Daryl sort of Ben, everybody being in step with the move for him to another team. Like, I don't think there's really a way that uh, these guys all come back on the same team. So I do think that uh, this comes to an end uh, this summer. Yeah, I think if that was a possibility, we would have heard from Joel by now, and he would have come out and said something sure. more explicitly in Ben's defense. The fact that he's been radio silent about all of this, and so basically, so is Daryl. Like it, it doesn't seem like there's any way forward. And I also, I mean, it did, you know, it is tempting to kind of talk yourself into, oh, well, you know, we'll get Ben back. Regular season Ben's better than playoff Ben. People will get to kind of see him in his element again and be reminded of why he's, you know, an All NBA player, Defensive Player of the Year runner-up, all that good stuff. I just don't see him coming back and it just being all roses. It, I, I, it, it's, it's too. There's, there's been too much rust. There's been too much deterioration. I, I, I don't think that the situation will improve by the trade deadline. So I, I think I'd almost rather have a subpar, a, a non-disastrous subpar trade now than holding out for a par trade later. There's also the uh, Supermax, which we haven't had much reporting on since the season ended, which um, one potential read that I don't think is the most likely, but is that Joel is saying sort of like, you need to get Finn out of here uh, before I sign that. Could you I imagine think that's if unlikely. you signed it the day of the trade? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. well, did, 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 didn't, isn't that what Ben Simmons did after they traded Jimmy Butler? Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, so that would be a nice little piece of poetry to kind of keep the, the through lines of the process in play. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break, uh, not in real life, but on the audio version. Uh, and then uh, after this, we're going to talk about free agency. And then we're going to ask AU some questions about music. Uh, we'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge 
that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Whoa, what a break. All right, we're back. Um, free agency uh, is the day that this podcast is released uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, let's catch up on some rumors. Uh, you know, the Sixers don't really have any money except for the mid-level exception. Um, things have been extremely quiet from the Sixers since the draft, which to me, I don't know. It sort of raises an eyebrow for me because Daryl obviously is always willing, you know, even on draft night, he intimated that there's a lot of work to do on this roster. And um, he obviously wouldn't comment uh, strongly in one way or another about Ben. Um, Today, the uh, Miami Heat picked up Goran Dragic's uh, option, and Woj tweeted that as the Miami Heat creates salary cap space, Toronto free agent guard Kyle Kyle Lowry remains a firm target in free agency. Miami has more levers to pull to create space to sign Lowry outright or can endeavor to work a sign-and-trade with the Raptors. Mark Stein sort of backed this up. It seems like a lot of momentum, even at the deadline, was that Lowry would sort of want to be in Miami and uh, it's seeming less and less, less like Kyle Lowry would be a sixer. Um, uh, what's his name? Brad Turner um, uh, for the LA Times reported that uh, Dwight Howard is ready to come back to Los Angeles, to play for the Lakers again. Um, and uh, Jake Fisher was on Green Room, and uh, this is also via Harrison, uh, who, and he said that Danny Green has apparently been mentioned in rumors of the Miami Heat. It seem, it's seeming less likely that Danny will be back. Um, you know, there was one, one report that the Sixers are going to be interested in Eric Bledsoe, which is weird. Um, what do we think about all of this sort of roundup? Lowry, Dwight, Danny, all of that stuff. AU, I'll start with you. I, I don't mind Eric Bledsoe as a, as a sort of backup point guard. I mean, he's definitely not the solution in any meaningful yeah. capacity for this team as like a core piece, but... You know, uh, maybe I'm just overly influenced by what the Clippers were able to do with Reggie Jackson, uh, you know, turning him into a, a shooter and a, and a real sort of off-ball option. And, uh, and for a while, a second unit kind of stalwart. Uh, if, if Eric Bledsoe could somehow magically discover his shot uh, with the Sixers in the second unit, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. Even if not, I think he's a pretty, I think he's, he's, he's a decent backup point guard in this stage of his career. I think he could probably do worse. 
Uh, I think it's funny that Dwight Howard is ready to return to the Lakers because he was also ready to return <laughs> to the Lakers last offseason and, in fact, declared right. that he had done so. Uh, that didn't end up going the way he uh, thought it would. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know for a fact if it will again this year. As for the Miami stuff, fine. They get guys. Guys want to go there. They end up getting them. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not putting too much you know, the emotional investment in that one way or the other. If Larry wants to play there, I don't think he's going to make them a title contender or not one way or the other. So uh, they, if they get him, if that's like their big offseason splash, that's not tragic to me. I mean, who knows what they're going to be. I, I, don't, I don't know whether right. they're in, in truth the team of last year or the team of two years ago, but I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over Kyle Lowry going to the Raptors, really, or the, the Heat. Emily, right? Emily, uh, anything on the, you know, all of that stuff? Yeah, I have a lot of the same thoughts as AU. I'm just certain that if Danny Green goes to the Heat, he will score like 35 points against the Sixers. <laughs> um, but other, I mean, I can. I don't think off season. Just like one game. There's this one game where he just buries right. like six feet under and then steps on the seventy six in the center of the court. You know, oh, <laughs> like lucky. Um, like lucky. Rest in peace, lucky. Um, but yeah, I don't think. I don't think Lowry. Even when there were rumors of us getting Lowry, like I think he helps us, but I don't think he is the the tide turner or that missing no. piece for us or the Heat. I mean, he's a nice player, but at this stage, I don't think he's. He's the guy in for any team. Yeah. What about you, Dan? Uh, I know that you had trepidation about Lowry uh, because of the salary cap implications. Um, and I think we all agree that he can't be the move of the offseason anyway. Um, but how do you react to the Lowry stuff and to the Dwight and Danny stuff? Yeah. Um, well, I guess, like, I'll start with Bledsoe just quickly. I'd be really happy to get Bledsoe. I think he's a good player who definitely has been bad in playoffs, but if you're asking him to come off the bench, I'm really not worried about it. I think you can definitely, you know, get good defense from Bledsoe. Um, you can definitely get a guy who can dribble the ball. Um, and, and I, I think that, you know, if you're asking so little from him, you know, he's just a bench guard, then it's like, you can basically bank on the shot not being there, especially in the playoffs. And if it happens, great. And if it doesn't, you weren't asking him to do it. So I feel I feel really excited to get him. Um, Dwight, oh, um, I'll miss him. I, I think he's probably is gone. Uh, I would love to see Paul Reed get more minutes anyway. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen, but I would love to see it. Um, Dwight, I'd love to see anybody that came on this podcast get minutes. I mean, you take Zainab, you take, whoever, take your pick. Like give him some yeah, more minutes. For sure. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, I love Dwight this year. Things didn't work out. I, you know, if Ben is definitely gone, I would be excited to have Dwight back. And I think Ben probably definitely is gone. But I just also think that from what we're hearing, he's probably not back. Um, I think he'll once again be like a really solid player if he goes to the Lakers. I mean, he was starting numerous games in the playoffs and and even the games he wasn't starting was getting minutes, you know, every game in, in the conference finals and the championship, like over 10 minutes a game, I believe. So, you know, he's been a guy who can contribute in the playoffs. And I think a lot of it is, you know, he's a minimum contract guy. He's not going to make the guys around him, you know, he's not going to be able to change himself to fit with them. And he's certainly not going to be able to make himself a player who can fit with Ben, you know, you know, hopefully your max contract guys are guys who can make themselves fit with other players. And that yeah. wasn't the case here. So that I, I think, you know, he'll probably be good elsewhere if he leaves. Um, I've thought Danny Green was gone since 
basically as soon as he criticized the fans. There's no way he does that if he's planning on staying. It didn't make any sense. We all agreed it was weird. It was like a weird, like, cop-out thing that I don't think, like, like I think he would have probably found, like, a more creative way to defend Ben if it wasn't for him, like, not be- being here and, like, having, you know, no fear of getting booed on the first day next year. Um, but uh, I was ex- I was really hoping to have him back. I thought he was, like, maybe not in the playoffs, but definitely in the regular season. I thought he was our fourth best player this year. Um, and, you know, I, I like a lot of what he does. I'm also like, as soon as he said that, I was almost like, get him and Ben both out. Like, like we need, a, <laughs> right. we need some kind of like, not even joking. Yeah. Like, I think like, like to have a culture where it's okay to like in any way blame anything outside of the team for something the team did negatively I'm just not, and I know yeah, I'm not saying he's like a bad culture guy. He's won three championships, so he's obviously not. But I'm just so fed up with this particular version of this team that I was like, like maybe we need to get some of these guys out. And then, yeah, Lowry to the Heat makes a lot of sense. Um, I have some of the math pulled up. So, you know, he's asking for 25 to 30 million a year. Um, and, you know, if we sign and trade for him, we're hard capped at $143 million this year. So after you make, the money work uh basically here's how much money you have to get rid of at that point um so you trade for lowry before you send anything else out assuming danny green walks mike scott is gone uh if corkma's gone dwight howard gone um and if you get rid of uh anthony tolliver and gary clark you're at 160.8 million so you have 17 and you're gonna have to send more than this to make the contracts match, but basically you have $17 million you have to cut a little over that almost $18 million you have to cut to get Lowry in. And that's like, there's no, this is not like, you don't have exceptions to go over this. You are hard capped at this point. And you're not looking at a full roster then. Like, even if you're sending, you know, say you send 30 out for Lowry, well, then you have $13 million to fill the rest of your roster, even with all of your exceptions. And they're probably, they're, I don't think that they even have a way to send 30. They'd be sending less than 30. Like they would make the contracts match within, you know, 125%. But, but so they were, they're going to have to fill out a roster with nothing. I just, and, and as soon as you do that, you're, you know, there's a, a way to make it work. You know, assuming Ben is gone, there's a way to make it work where, you know, maybe you still can trade for, a Beal or a Lillard if they become available down the line, but it's, and, and keep Tobias, but in, in all likelihood, you're definitely getting rid of Tobias uh, if you want to do something like that. And who knows, that might not be that easy if you don't do it this summer. I mean, he had a, a yeah, very good yeah. year last year, better than we all expected. And he's probably as movable as he's been as a sixer. And who's to say if this, I mean, everyone wants to talk about how like, you know, the people who are confident in Ben are confident his value is going to go back up, right? Like, well, by the same logic, Tobias's value could go back down. Uh, so if he's not, if he's still here at the end of the summer, that's another complicating factor for a Lowry trade. If you have any hopes of these other guys this year. So I just think that, that I know there were all these reports that the Sixers are interested in him. I'd obviously be excited about it because he's a good player and I would, you know, pretty easily brush these concerns aside as soon as he was actually on the team. But I think there's a lot of real issues with bringing Lowry in and getting hard capped at, at the apron. And I just don't think it's something we're going to end up doing because of that. The uh, only thing I'll add, uh, Dwight Howard, I will miss uh, having him on the team. He was a joy uh, to watch and seemed like a real value add in the locker room, which 
I can't believe I'm saying about Dwight out, but uh, you know, he was, I think that everybody really liked him and uh, he was, he was a fun guy to have out there. I really enjoyed the Dwight Howard experience. Uh, Danny Green, I hope the figures can swing a sign and trade for him because he was such a big contributor for them and to lose him for nothing would be a shame. So hopefully he wants to go to a contender where they get something uh, in return. Um, last thing about free agency, is there any free agents that you would like the Sixers to uh, bring in? Um, uh, obviously they have limited capital. Uh, there are some guys out there. Malik Monk today is parting ways from Charlotte. He'll be available. Uh, personally, I'd love another Nolan's Noel. Uh, I would love him to come back. Last year, I really thought it was going to happen. Um, and then we got Dwight. So uh, I would love to have Nolan's back. Emily, uh, anybody in, come to mind that you want in this free agent crop? Uh, or are you just sort of waiting and seeing? I'm just sort of waiting and seeing. Um, I have gotten my hopes up enough for this team to have them crushed that I'm trying to not get my hopes up about things like free agency. We'll just see what happens, see what Daryl yeah. does, and see what the team looks like in a couple weeks. And Dan, uh, anybody that you, you're looking for them to potentially bring in? Not really. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Monk would be fun, I guess. You know, maybe Daniel Tyson. Otto Porter, yeah. Yeah. Daniel Tice, maybe be good backup. Like, oh, definitely Otto Porter, actually. I would be, if we could get Otto Porter, I would be really happy. I know he's not quite been as good lately, but I just think that he's like a, like a, a pretty good defender and a, and a pretty good three-point shooter and you mm -hmm. know, has been around a while. I'd be happy to have him. But no, I mean, there's obviously not like any real, I think, needle movers that we're going to be signing with, you know, it, with a... You know, we don't even have the full MLE. So mm -hmm. um, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm looking at free agency, you know, I'll be excited about who we bring in hopefully, but more than anything, it's like, what does, what dominoes does this cause to fall right. with regards to, does anyone want out? Is anyone like, okay, well, you know, the dream is like, you know, as Emily said, Lillard's going to come home and maybe he looks at what the, the Blazers did and they're like, you signed two bench players. I'm like, I, I'm not doing right. this. Uh, right. I don't have my hopes up for that quite as much as I did before, but like, that's the big thing for the Sixers in free agency, I think. Hey, you, anybody in free agency that you'd like to see come in? Um, I'm sort of in the same boat as y'all. I mean, I, I haven't really done much research into this, to be honest, but I, I mean, Malik Monk would be fun. Uh, Reggie Bullock, if we, if, yeah, I, I think it, it seems like he's probably going to be out of our price range, but yeah, I would love him as a Danny Green replacement if, uh, if he wasn't. Uh, always down for an Airlines reunion, certainly. Uh, you know, the ceiling was going to happen last season, didn't uh, be down for it happening this season. Beyond that, yeah, I, I almost don't want us to, to get too committed or emotionally attached to anybody until we figure out what the fuck is going on with our, our second best player. So uh, that's, yeah. uh, it's, it seems like uh, you know, getting too invested in free agency is sort of putting the cart before the horse. So I, I have not done much there. If you are a Sixers fan looking to get too invested in free agency, I direct you to Sixers Adam, who's a friend of the podcast. For sure. To his, he had a great piece uh, either today or a couple of days ago, uh, just sort of an all-encompassing uh, free agency thing. All right, enough basketball. AU, we've taken up a lot of your time already. So if you want to speed answer these, you do whatever you want. If you want to give us the Terrell Owens, no comment, you feel free. <laughs> um we're just going to go around and ask you different questions about music and the music industry. Of course, your, your work on this subject can be read at Billboard. Um, all right. Give me some assorted thoughts on Olivia Rodrigo's uh, first album, Sour, uh, Billie Eilish's new album, uh, Happier Than Ever, I believe, and John Mayer's new album, Sob Rock. Uh, 
okay. in whatever order you please. And I'll start at the top. Uh, Sour, uh, it's, it's definitely you know one of the best pop albums of the year. I don't I don't think it's a perfect album by any means. It kind of you know peters out a little bit towards the end. Uh, you know I think it's the, the first five or six songs. Like that run is just like holy shit! Like what, mm-hmm. what an incredible new talent! What what is you know, the, the, everything from the writing to the performance to the to the production to the just the, you know the the, the 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 sort of the packaging and the you know the, it's an entire universe unto itself in, 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 in mm-hmm. this sort of five or six song run. Uh, and I think that brutal as like an opening track is is one of the fucking ballsiest things I've ever heard. Which is which, I mean, for especially from like someone who was only really known at that point for kind of one and a half songs and 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 mostly just just heartbreak ballads to just kind of come out and punch them in the mouth like that is is. Super commendable. It's a great song. Uh, and there's a bunch more on that album to be had. I think she's going to go only do go on to do bigger and better things from here. Uh, I don't use Taylor com, Taylor Swift comparisons lightly, but I think she's earned them. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I, the, the, the sky is certainly the limit for, for Olivia Rodrigo. And that, that is that is going to be one of the albums of the year uh, at, at year end time and for the Grammys. And that's all deserving and all fair. Uh, Billie Eilish, uh, second full length album obviously not going to be the sensation that the first one was uh you know the, the first one I, th- I think it's a little bit overrated in retrospect because i think that also kind of lost energy towards the end uh but i you know obviously a number of really game-changing songs on that album i won't go fall mm-hmm. where do we go and just just the shock of the new uh and it was so much fun and they're, 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 there's, there's such like a lively personality and you got to see so many different sides of her and then the songs kind of flow together really well this album is a much more difficult listen. And I don't mean that as a criticism, but it just is, you know, it's very, it's very bottom heavy, which is really unusual for a pop album in 2021. Like all the singles, the hits, you know, not, not that she really had that many hits on the song, but most of the songs you already know going into this album are packaged towards the end, including kind of the, uh, the like the, the focus track uh, that, that you hadn't heard before, which is the title track, Happier Than Ever. And probably the best song on the album, in my opinion. Right. That's the second to last song, and it's sort of this like long-awaited climax when the hits like holy shit. Uh, but it's it's tough something to get to there because they, they, there are a lot of slow songs at first. There's a lot of really really personal stuff on there. There's a spoken word song where she talks about you know how she's been perceived in her image and the way she's sort of been treated unfairly in the media and on social mm-hmm. media. I think it's a really really interesting artistic statement. I, I think it's going to appreciate well over time. I think like one of my co-writers said something like this about how. Like you can already see it being the album that 10 years from now, people are like, Joe, justice for happier than ever. That album is so much better than its reputation got like, and that's going to happen. And I think it should, because I do think it's a really good album. And I think there's four or five just absolute knockout songs on there and stuff you haven't heard from her before. I think her voice sounds fantastic. I think, you know, the production Phineas is, is certainly singular in the sort of stuff that he does. But I mean, you already see in the commercial returns for it, it's just not going to get the same sort of excitement that Fall Asleep did mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't have the hits. It's not as much fun. And it's a, it's a, it's a pretty difficult listen, especially in the first half. So I, I think it's it's a good thing for her long term. Uh, I think for her artistry, like like the, this is the kind of album you want the best pop stars making every now and then. Uh, it would be unfortunate if this was sort of all she did from now on, but I don't think it's going to happen. Right. I think she, from everything we've seen from her, every, every album is going to be different. Every album is going to be based on what she's going through now, what she's listening to, what she's feeling, the kind of position the music industry puts her in, which is a pretty precarious thing for a twenty year old girl, twenty uh, year old anybody. Uh, it's 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 all really interesting and it's all really vital. And I hope that we don't yeah. get too focused as a pop listening culture on albums judging them solely on bops versus non-bops obviously that's going to lose out in this album specifically but it's still worth your time it's still worth your emotional investment i think it's awesome uh what was the third one again john mayer sob rock yeah i don't really have that much to say about john mayer sob rock the, the guy plays his part uh I, i'm a fan <laughs> of a lot of the music that he's using as his touchdowns now this sort of 80s kind of slightly new wavy but also slightly like 
I don't know, AOR rock, like slightly like very commercial, like dire straits type rock. Uh, you know, it's, it's fun for me. Uh, and I think New Light, which, which somehow is on this album, is maybe four years old. Uh, I think right. that's a dope song. That's one of his best songs. Uh, and I think Last Dream Home is a really good song. There's a couple others on there. A couple other just absolutely ridiculous artistic choices that he's making. Uh, that one song where he kind of affects like a, a sort of Jamaican patois on the hook is weird. Uh, he, he, he's never going to kind of give you everything you want, John Mayer. That's yeah. not sort of his bag. Uh, I think this album is, it's, it's a pretty solid album. It's, a, it's certainly coherent in the sort of things it's trying to do. It hits what it sets out to, to accomplish. I don't think I'm going to be listening to it five, 10 years from now. Uh, sure. I don't really listen to any John Mayer albums uh, five, 10 years after they're out, but it, it's good. Uh, yeah. and, and, and it, it, it's, I think the reception that it's gotten is exactly merit, the des- deserving of the, of the album that it is. It's like, people are like, yeah, this is a kind of cool album. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah. So you were, we were talking a little about Olivia Rodrigo and you actually wrote a cover story for Billboard on, on her. Um, just what was that like? It was, I think it was your first cover story, like writing it about her. She's having this huge moment culturally. I'm sure there's plenty of people clamoring for, for pieces on her. So what was that like for you? Yeah, it was super cool. I, I felt really, really honored to have the privilege to do that. Uh, I, I was, I was very interested in her and, and a big fan of both her music and kind of like the, the sort of, disruptive role she had in like early you know this year's early pop like she came out of nowhere at least for me I, I didn't really know of her stuff from high school the musical the high school musical the musical the series uh or just just kind of her disney stardom in general so she was a pretty new presence to me and then you just kind of see her popping out of nowhere with these like just historic unprecedented streaming numbers and the song is awesome and you know it, it's clear that there's more there than the, the, she there was never any question that she was gonna be more than a one-hit wonder at least to me uh and she, you know, the deja vu, she, 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 she proved that she, she could do more than that too. And, and by the time of the story, like I, I got, I got to hear Sour ahead of time, which was also, you know, super exciting. Uh, it, it felt really cool to be able to tell kind of the first cover length story about the biggest pop artist of 2021. Like just, just getting to do that, even if the story hadn't gone well, or if I hadn't really gotten that much out of it, just, just being in a place to be able to do that was, was really humbling and, and really awesome. Uh, and she's great. Like, like as an interview, I, I, you know, because it was, because it was pandemic times and because we're on different coasts and because I'm sure she's very in demand in her time. All I got with her was an hour over Zoom, which in most cover stories, you know, you like to be in, in, in person interviewing them face to face, hopefully doing things with them, like going, you know, going out on adventures with them where you get to kind of see them in their element. There was none of that. I got one hour on basically on the phone with her, but she was, she, that, that was still more than enough because she, she's, she's such a lively person and she can kind of speak industry language at a very young age. Like she, I, there were times where I'm like, oh, you're kind of pandering me with these things that you're saying right now. Like, you shouldn't be able to like pander at this level. This is really, really impressive. And it also helps that uh, because her parents were '90s people and and very like music intensive, and they like really trained her. And 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 she has an, a natural enthusiasm and interest for this stuff anyway. Of of kind of like talking about older music and and delving into older influences. You know, it, it never it, it never felt like we weren't speaking the same language. So the fact that she could kind of talk you know, 90s alternative stuff. And I could kind of at least sort of talk like, like pop and TikTok and stuff like that. Uh, we were able to, it felt like I was just having a, a normal conversation with an artist, despite the fact that I'm nearly twice as old as she is. Uh, and, you know, she's, she's really smart. She has really interesting things to say. Uh, and, and, she, and she was very thoughtful. And some of the answers that she gave were kind of unexpected. And she, was also, she also just had really fun answers. And I was able to kind of weave some of those into the piece and kind of give a, a sense of her as a person, as well as as a musician and, and, and an industry figure. So, I mean, it, it was it, it was pretty close to a dream assignment. And, and you know, I, I don't think that, like, it was a life-changing story in terms, like, I, I don't think that, like, 
I captured a side of her that nobody else ever captured. I don't think it's gonna be like some iconic story that's read 20 years down the line, but I, I, I think I was able to kind of capture who she was at this point in time and I feel good about it. And, 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 and again, just to get the, the, the privilege to be able to do that is really extraordinary. Yeah, that was super cool. And you did a great job with it. Like, you. You're a great writer, so not surprising. Thank but you. it was very good, very enjoyable to read. Uh, all my music questions are mostly about you. So uh, <laughs> I've never asked you this, but do you play any instruments or sing yourself? Uh, I have played trumpet in school and guitar recreationally, both I would say very poorly. I'm not a musician uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Gotcha. I'm not a professional singer. I'm not even like an amateur singer. I do love karaoke. And when I'm singing karaoke, I feel like I'm the best vocalist on the planet. That's probably not true. I don't, I don't think that like, the stats would bear me out on that. But like in, in my experience, like people who are socially awkward in real life tend to be the most uninhibited at karaoke and vice versa. Uh, and that's definitely me. Like I, I, I you know, I, I, I find like a lot of social situations really difficult but give me a microphone and the words on a screen in front of me and some cheesy eighties video. And I'll sing in front of 10,000 people with, with no problem whatsoever. Um, so sour obviously is uh, a much reported on breakup album uh, to some degree. Do you have a uh, small list or, or a few that come to mind of your favorite breakup albums? This is a mm. genre that I love. Favorite breakup albums. Uh, oof, uh, I, don't, I don't have a ton of great ones that come to mind. Uh, I mean, I don't know, Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. Uh, For sure. Certainly like, yeah. like a, a standard bear in that. Bruce Springsteen's Ton of Love. Uh, also, mm -hmm. like I, I think was underrated for a long time and is now sort of getting its due because uh, like a lot of bands like The War on Drugs and Heim kind of sound like it now. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a really great album. Uh, the Cure's Wish. I don't, I don't know if that's technically a breakup album, but it has a lot of very heartbroken songs on it that I really like. Uh, I'm not like an experiential music listener so much. Like I don't listen to like, oh, I'm sad about something romantic. So I'm going to listen to a heartbreak album now. Generally, mm -hmm. like my listening is a lot more like just, just things that I, I want to or need to listen to right now. So I don't really, I don't really think of music in those terms necessarily, but I mean, I, I like a good heartbreak album. Sure. Yeah. Well, what, what, what are yours? Do you, do you have others that you add on top of that? Oh man. Uh, Otis, Otis Blue. Uh, that's mm -hmm. one of my favorites. Uh, Blood on the Tracks, definitely. Um, there was, uh, hmm. Yeah, what else do I like? Uh, um, Get Hurt, Gaslight Anthem, not well reviewed, but uh, <laughs> they had some, uh, they had a couple of songs in there that I really liked. Mm -hmm. um, and the, yeah, Tunnel of Love, I loved. Yeah. And I, I should shout out, of course, uh, you know, Taylor Swift albums one through five, certainly. I don't know, all, yeah. all of them, and none of them are entirely about breakups, but certainly they're all, they've all been used uh, for that purpose over the course of human history. So shout out to her. She's still the best doing it right now. Big time. I also think Adele. Like, oh sure yeah of course yeah and, 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 and girlfriend yeah Rich and also I, I i should have uh i mean amy winehouse back to black I don't, again i don't know if it's technically oh, yeah. a breakup album but certainly it's a like a doomed fatalistic romance album and uh, i've certainly been listening to that a lot recently uh she, she died 10 years ago uh that the that anniversary just came up so i've been spending a lot of time yeah. on that album that's that 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 i think was the album that sort of led to adele's 21 which is also a classic mm -hmm. so uh yeah. definitely shout out to both of those so we talked about we have a lot of Olivia Rodrigo in here. Um, we, we talked about her um, just like kind of being like this breakout pop star that we didn't really see coming. Are there any upcoming pop stars that you are seeing coming? Like who are the next big things that we're going to be listening to like all summer next year? Oh boy. Uh, well, are, are these like personal favorites or are these just like these artists are kind of bubbling up right now and they're about to kind of have their big moment? Um, 
I meant the question the second way, but I'd love okay, to Okay, no, I mean, the, the second so. one's probably the one I'm more equipped to answer anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, uh, for better or worse, the Kid Leroy uh, is, yeah. he's definitely seems poised to be kind of the next global superstar. Uh, he, he's one of those guys where you see like every release kind of peaks a little bit higher than the one before it. He had the number one album in the world this week, or I can't remember if it's last starting last Sunday or, or starting today, but because uh, he keeps reissuing the same album over and over again with seven more tracks, uh, and it's finally finally enough to put him over the top. Uh, Stay, his new song with Justin Bieber, uh, is is definitely going to be one of the big songs. I mean, it already is one of the big songs of the summer. I think will continue to be so. Uh, and he, he has an artistic association with the, the other guy that I most I most recently profiled. His name is Omar Fetty who is kind of the, the, the sort of producer of the moment. I think he's probably more vital to the sound of pop music right now than any specific artist, uh, producer slash writer slash guitarist. Uh, and he's kind of the guy who's sort of pushing the right buttons on, on where on where pop music is going. Uh, and so uh, like anybody that he works with is definitely somebody to be, to, to be paying attention to. Uh, I wish I had more answers than that. I, I, I don't off the top of my head, but uh, certainly he's the, he's the guy who's who we're, we're talking about. It's like, yeah, this, this is gonna be the next the next big superstar. Yeah. All right. I have to ask, how many hours per day do you spend listening to music? Uh, on a good day, I would say probably uh, somewhere between 10 and 12. Uh, wow. Some, some days more, some days less. Uh, but like, if I'm awake and not like either, you know, hanging out with my girlfriend or watching something specific on television or doing else, something else social, I'll have music on. Like if I have to walk to the car five minutes away, I'll put my headphones on for those five minutes. Like I just, you know, I wake up and I, I hit my Bluetooth speaker and, and, and I start listening to music. Like that's, that's just kind of the, the way I've, I've lived life for a really long time. And that's sort of, is the way I, I kind of have to, to, to sort of ingest as much music as I need to. So yeah, I mean, that's, that, that, that's, that's kind of the, the, I don't want to say the discipline because I enjoy it. And I, 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 life is better with music. Like I, I get antsy in social situations where there could be music, but isn't. Uh, so yeah, like the, definitely, uh, living a life of listening to music is, is sort of the way to go for me. I expected a big number between like your job and just like <laughs> all the music you clearly have known about when we talked to you, but like, that is a baffling number still. Yeah. And, and like, I don't necessarily recommend it for other people. Like I'm, I'm not being like, you have to do this to be a real music fan or even a real music writer. Like, but I just like knowing about everything. It kills me that there's stuff out there that I don't know. And there always will be. It's impossible to know everything. But I'd like to at least put a good faith effort into doing so. So, uh, yeah, whenever I can, I'm, I'm listening to music. Yeah. Just to quickly follow up, do you have music on during a Sixers game, like while you're watching the broadcast? During the Sixers, sometimes like like I'll, I'll listen to the Sixers as a treat. Because uh, I, I do like I do like Zoom off and um, I guess uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a different question next year, maybe depending on who we get. Right. But I, I do like zoom off and I do like ah, and I and I, I'm so, you know, up until this point anyway, I'm so like emotionally like plugged into the Sixers that it, right. it is distracting sometimes to listen to music while doing it. But anybody else I'm watching, the Phillies, if I'm watching, I'll, I'll listen to music. If I'm watching another another basketball game, I'll listen to music. Sometimes if I'm watching a movie, I'll listen to music. Like it, it's yeah. just. It, it, I, you have to really be like I have, I have to really be invested in the thing I'm watching to opt for the sound of it over the sound of music. Um, I spent the weekend in Rhode Island at a wedding. I wanted to know: Do you have some favorite songs to hear at a wedding reception? Favorite wedding songs, and some songs that are popular at wedding receptions that you loathe. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I was, take uh, notes. Okay, I mean, I, I was always. <laughs> 
I was always very excited uh, when the EDM era was popping to hear Avicii's uh, Levels at a Wedding. That's just a, mm-hmm. a, a great song that, that I, I love. You know, it's, it's sort of like all my, all my good weddings with my friends. Like that would be like one of the ones you kind of crowd the dance floor on. Uh, Bruno Mars can't really go wrong with. Uh, some, some weddings kind of play him out. Like, like I've been to weddings where they play like six songs of his in a row or six out of eight or yeah. something like that. And that gets a little excessive. But he certainly makes music designed to be played at weddings and he succeeds at doing so. Uh, I'm a little bit wary of uh, going back into the wedding world where now the BTS is dynamite is a thing because I'm not a fan of that song. I, I mean, mm. I shouldn't be saying this on a, on a publicly recorded podcast, but I'm, I'm not a fan of that song. And, and it will it, it was also sort of engineered to be a, a, a wedding song. And I'm a little worried about that that takeover. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any like slow songs that I really have strong feelings for one way or the other. Uh, Fan of uh, Sam Cooke's Wonderful World as a, as a sort of first dance. Uh, yeah, that, that, that would that would be a good one. Uh, but I don't have like I mean you know to keep maybe take it easy on the Ed Sheeran. But aside from that, I, I don't really have strong feelings about uh, about yeah. songs at weddings. I was gonna ask as a follow up, like your opinion on my wedding song, but I feel like I don't want to know because you probably don't like it, and then I'll be sad. No, I'll, I'll be I'll be diplomatic at the very least. Now now I sort of have to know so. <laughs> Um, no, it was, we, our first, well, one, we, after we got announced, like, kissed at the altar, whatever, we walked that back down the aisle to Dynamite by BTS, I do. <laughs> Good start, okay. Our first dance song was Your Song by Elton John. Okay, I mean, that's a classic. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing bad to say about that song. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll say the, the, the best first dance that I've ever seen was... Uh, a good friend of mine from high school, uh, his, his, he, he and his wife, uh, for their first dance was to Simon and Garfunkel's At the Zoo. Uh, I, I don't know if you know that song, the title will tell you most of what you need to know about it, which is that it is the world's least appropriate first dance song imaginable. And not even in a way that, that like, not, not even in a way that like, like, oh, this is such an ironic, weird twist on it. It's just like, what? But they got super into it. It's not a slow song, but they found a way to dance to it. And it felt really cool and special and personal to them. So wow. I was like, this is, I'm probably going to be first wedding in human history that uses Simon and Garfunkel's At The Zoo as the first <laughs> dance. That's special. That's awesome. And, that, and that's really what I think is, is okay. a first dance should be, is, is just something that means something to you and your partner. Like, like that's, that's what's important. Yeah. So um, we talked about TikTok a little bit. And I've been noticing that I've been seeing artists who like are coming out with songs and then in their music video, they'll do a dance that can then be put on TikTok or they're like coming up with like marketing for TikTok from their music. Is that something you're seeing? Is it just like the weird things I see? No, it's, um, it's, How do you uh, think like TikTok is going to work? The problem with that is that TikTok moves faster than, than marketing execs do. Like TikTok like I, I've already, I mean, I've seen reports and I've sort of noticed this anecdotally that dances aren't really necessarily popular on TikTok the way they used to be. In terms of driving popular songs, the dancing is, the, the, the dances are, are sort of like, they're one avenue. I'm sure there's still some songs that got popular off dances, but it seems like it's not as, as foolproof a thing as it used to be. And now, now the, the way TikTok users are using songs is, uh, is, is, is sort of different and, and it's sort of hard to put a finger on the ones that end up popping. Like uh, this Maneskin song, the Begging, their cover of the Four Seasons Begging has been one of the biggest global hits of the year and, and, and from TikTok has become a big US hit too. I was watching the videos trying to come up with like a common theme as to why this song was popping from TikTok to streaming. And I really couldn't do it. There's really no common element. There's really no, there's nothing predictable about it. 
And that's sort of the thing with TikTok is that like it, it, it is sort of at its core still unpredictable. And that, that, that adds a really interesting sort of attention to the industry that you know, they're trying to, you know, they, they, they find artists that are, that are trying to kind of build in dances or build in challenges or build in other sort of TikTok friendly elements. It's much easier said than done. I mean, some have done it successfully. I'm sure like some that we haven't even really noticed it, like, they, they sort of have a light, a light touch with it that have done it successfully. Uh, but I, for, for the most part, the stuff that moves on TikTok, it's, it's only in, in, in the hands of the people. And that's not always, that's not always easily predicted. It's definitely not always easily accomplished. And I, I, I think that, and, and we also, I feel like the dances are also sort of becoming more of a, of like a, like a discussion flashpoint topic because, you know, there's, there's a lot more talk now about uh, you know, white creators kind of stealing from black creators. And there was that, that, that the black creator strike with the new Megan Thee Stallion song. And it's, I, I think people are going to be a little bit more wary about it now and, and not wanting to look like they're, they're trend hopping or being a cultural vulture or, or, or whatever. Uh, so I, I, I think that, you know, TikTok is such a massive thing that you sort of have to try to take advantage of it. But the cool thing about it is that there's no one button you can push with it. You can try to put things in it that'll make it pop on TikTok. You can try to kind of fashion in a certain way, but at the end of the day, you're still at the mercy of the actual users. As a like quick follow up to that, I feel like it's. Ooh, I don't know what just happened. Something happened on my computer, but anyway, <laughs> as a quick follow up to that, I feel like there's been like so few artists that actually had like multiple songs become popular with like dances and stuff on tiktok mm -hmm. like obviously megan the stallion has had like numerous songs and then i don't know if you've heard of you probably have your au but um beat king i don't even know who that is besides it's like when i look up some of these songs that have dances um there's one called then leave that was a popular dance and then thick um that beat king was in um like is there like have you noticed any like reason some people have like repeat like at least like yeah. Megan Thee Stallion makes sense I don't even know who the hell Beat King is though but like yeah, why I mean, are some people getting <laughs> I mean you, you do have artists like Megan Thee Stallion and Doja Cat that are just superstars already and so and, and they're also really smart and savvy with their marketing and they, they can they can kind of use TikTok to their advantage to sort of buffer you know, they, they, they can sort of use it to enhance their already existing superstardom it's much harder with these kind of one-off artists to, to, to get a second hit out of it, to get a sustainable career out of it. I mean, the, the, the graveyard is already like massively populated with some of these artists just from the last two years who have one song. Like I, I heard there was a new Arizona Zervis song on, on Spotify's New Music Friday this week. I was like, oh, I haven't thought about Arizona Zervis in exactly one year. Uh, but it, it is doable. Uh, I, actually, I actually talked to your guy, uh, Ty Verdes, not, not long ago. Uh, and he's he had a second hit on TikTok that's actually become even bigger than the first one. The, the, he, uh, really? Yeah, a, a okay. It, it's 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 his first Hot 100 hit. Uh, it's it, it's it's also you know started popping on on TikTok and then moved over to streaming services. Now radio is trying to pick it up too. It seems like it's going to be a real thing. Uh, but he is a grinder, and he will like like a lot of artists that pop once on TikTok immediately try to dissociate themselves from it because they don't want to be known as a TikTok artist. So like like a, like a surfaces Sunday best was like a good example of that. Like they had one really big song on the platform. They're like, we don't want to be known as the TikTok guys our entire career. And so I'm sure that wasn't necessarily a heavy emphasis on the on their their subsequent singles, none of which performed nearly as well as Sunday best. But this guy is just like, yeah, man, this is this is where it's happening these days. If you're, if you're not trying to work your songs on TikTok, you're not trying hard enough. And so he was, you know, he 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 has kind of multiple different strategies. He hits it really hard and he hits it really repeatedly. And eventually he got a second song to stick and. I think that if if you want to kind of build your your fan base out that way, if if that's what that's what's important to you is kind of having those, those sustainable hits and those, that those, that sustainable career off of TikTok hits, then you really got to fucking work at it, and you really got to 
you know, you, you, you use every possible, you know, opportunity to, to, to get the word out on TikTok and to engage your fans on TikTok and, and just, just make it so that it's really a part of your, your sort of core part of your artistry. And if you don't want to do that, I certainly don't blame you, but it's probably not going to happen for you more than once. Yeah, that's cool to hear. I'll definitely check out that song. Um, I think this is our last question. It's a really stupid one. Um, and it's, for, it's, it's from me. Uh, <laughs> can we, and by we, I mean probably you, pick a song that we all need to listen to when Ben gets traded as some form of song? Oh, I, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to come up with anything good right on the spot, but I love this idea in general. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe uh, I'll have to like you know maybe I'll I'll think about it overnight when this when this podcast yeah, gets, gets tweeted. I'll, I'll like I'll I'll tag y'all in it. Yes. I'll, I'll come up with some ideas and then maybe have to vote or something. Love it. Did, did, did any of y'all have have like immediate thoughts about that? I don't have anything. I just wanted to hear what you thought. Well, I, I love I love like occasion songs. So like by <laughs> by all means, like let's let's find something that really works for this, and we can also yes. associate with it from now on. Yeah. Awesome. Um, do you guys have anything else for AU before we get out of here? Mm -mm. AU, thank you so much again for doing this. Uh, what can we promote for you? Obviously, your writing is that billboard and the rights to Ricky Sanchez. Um, is there anything else that you'd like us to get out there? No, that, I think that's all I got right now. You know, I've had a you know, bunch of a bunch of lists going up in the last uh, couple of months, but I'm excited to not have uh, any of those to work on for the immediate future. So. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm good on the promo front, but th thank you all again for having me on. I'm, I'm super honored to be a two-time guest this podcast. Y'all do great work, and uh, you know, thanks for thanks for paying attention to this team and doing all the necessary grunt stuff so I don't have to. <laughs> Always love uh, talking to you about uh, anything. So thank you again for coming on. It's great to see you, and uh, good luck to us all this weekend with free agency and, and maybe a trade. Who knows? Amen. Um, thanks, yeah. you. Thank you, buddy. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Good to see you. Be, be uh, safe and be great. Great.